for Tuesday, February 16th, 2021. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, making sure the groups most vulnerable to the coronavirus have access to COVID-19 vaccines isn't just good for them. It's good for everybody. We care about equity as a matter of fairness, but equity is also a matter of effectiveness when it comes to fighting a pandemic. Shivani Patel, who's been tracking issues of health equity over the course of the pandemic at Emory University, joins me to discuss that work and the value of an equitable vaccine rollout. That's next. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for WABE's local coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org. In Georgia, most of the people who've received a COVID-19 vaccination are white. That's according to a new vaccine dashboard run by the state. That's concerning to Emory University researcher Shivani Patel, but that data might not tell the whole story. Patel has spent the last year looking at COVID-19 equity issues with a team at Emory University. She's with me now to discuss what they found and its implications for the vaccine rollout. Shivani, thanks for talking with me. Thanks, it's great to be here. So I want to start just by having you kind of give me an overview of this data equity project that you've been working on for a little while, the overview of this project and what you've been doing. Yeah, absolutely. So this project started back in March of uh, last year when we first started hearing more and more about coronavirus and deaths across the United States. So it actually started as a little bit of an academic debate between a colleague and I on whether or not this was going to be impactful for death across the country. And so one day in an effort to prove that I don't think this is going to be impactful, I downloaded data from previous years, month by month, state by state, and um, set out to see whether or not what we were seeing was actually something you know that was non-trivial. And in fact, we found that about 1.5% excess mortality was already present by March of 2020. And that was pretty astounding to us for something that was a new infection like like this um, SARS-CoV-2. So that was actually the origin of this health equity project when we saw that this was having an impact on mortality across the country, even in um, the early days, we felt that it was important to contextualize those deaths and also contextualize the infection. So that was the origin story of the health equity dashboard. 
How did you then find equity as your focus here, sort of not just looking, is this something that is notable, but to look at all this data with an equity lens? Absolutely. That's a great question. So prior to um, the pandemic, most of my research has focused on diabetes and cardiovascular disease. And in that work, we realized that it is a, a huge uh, miss if we don't also look at the social determinants of health when we are trying to understand um, the relationship between health risk factors and deaths. So by social determinants of health, I'm talking about things like educational attainment, income, uh, healthcare facilities, food environments, all those kinds of things that matter for our health outcomes that aren't the measurable risk factors, things like obesity, diabetes, hypertension. So we know that those conditions such as obesity, diabetes, hypertension don't develop in a vacuum they're extremely influenced by the living conditions, our working conditions, the resources that we have to basically engage in healthy behaviors, and then also the resources, lack of resources that prevent us from engaging in healthy behaviors. So, so we had that sort of a focus uh, prior to the pandemic. And then when uh, the epidemic started, it seemed like a, an obvious opportunity to uh, examine how the epidemic was folding against these social determinants nationally. And so we applied the county level data that we had for research on diabetes and, and cardiovascular disease to the epidemic. It seems with this kind of background that maybe you could have predicted what we have seen over the course of this pandemic, that you know, members of certain groups, minority groups have been hit harder by this pandemic than others. You know, Sam, yes and no. And that's what's also interesting. When uh, we first started hearing about coronavirus, we heard so much about it being an equal opportunity infection. And we also heard uh, a lot of um, news um, media around uh, the infections being concentrated in large metro areas. I, and, and that, of course, has to do with just how uh, infectious diseases spread and where they were seated. But these large metro areas tend to be a little bit more socially advantaged, actually, than, say, rural America. Um, and again, it, it depends. I'm making some, some broad generalizations. So I was thinking, well, this is an equal opportunity infection. We might not necessarily see the same magnitude of disparities, but it's going to be important to track this. Let's see where this is going. And we're going to need to make sure that decision makers understand the social and economic environments in which these infections and these deaths are occurring. So I went into it with an interest in describing that narrative, but not necessarily with strong expectations of the disparities. Of course, within just a month of, of doing this, the news media reports uh, were, were coming out um, that African-Americans were disproportionately affected. And we saw that it was not just at an individual level, but it was playing out in the community level data, that it was also communities that happened to have a large share of African-Americans were also the hardest hit. So that was information that, again, I, I look back on it and thought, well, this was to be expected, yet I had not expected it at the beginning. 
Equity has come up in so many different parts of this pandemic in so many different ways. What are some things that you have learned over the year of doing this project that were kind of surprising to you? Uh, trends, things in the data that you saw that you didn't necessarily expect to see? What we saw in general was those disparities, especially the racial and ethnic disparities that we saw in COVID-19 expanded, especially initially. So at the very, very beginning, what we knew was this, this is an equal opportunity bug. Uh, but you know, shortly after, we saw that there were um, higher, especially cases in the Latinx community and especially higher mortality in the African-American community. And we saw those trends continuing for quite some time. But what we've also seen, and I think it's an important lesson for public health, is that those disparities have also narrowed uh, with time. And I think that's because we've learned. We haven't fully learned. I think that there's still a need for even more course correction. But let's take the state of Georgia. In midsummer, we were seeing large disparities in uh, death rates due to COVID-19 by race. We were seeing African-Americans dying at a higher rate than white Americans in Georgia. But if you look at the data now, and we look cumulatively over the beginning of the pandemic, you know, those uh, differences in mortality bef- between African Americans and whites in the state have actually diminished and are almost uh, next to null. So they're statistically indistinguishable at at this particular time. Um, Mind you, the data that I'm looking at and that my colleagues are looking at are all still preliminary, but this is what we're seeing. So to me, there's a lot of promise in, in that part of the story. So I'm wondering, you know, you've been looking at this data for a year. What are some some other things that you found that are surprising to you? as this was unfolding, was really important to note is that it's you know been moving into rural areas. So it didn't stay contained in those urban areas for too long. And what we're seeing when it's moved into these rural areas is that the death rates are even higher. We expect that to be due to the fact that uh, healthcare systems are oftentimes weaker in the rural areas. Um, there's also some indication that some of the uh, underlying comorbidities that place people at risk for COVID-19 death once infected are higher in rural communities. Another thing that has been constant, however, in terms of the community level disparities, in terms of which communities have been hardest hit, are the uh, communities that have a higher share living in poverty. So that's that's been one constant feature. Whereas uh, what I'm what I'm seeing in the national data is that the the racial and ethnic disparities are are dynamic over time. So what all of this is telling me is that we need to keep working on pandemic containment. Um, but we also need to think about um, why is it that in some places we figured out how to treat this thing and people are are surviving, but in some places we haven't been able to do that. Basically, we're failing some communities uh, when it comes to um, treating them once infected. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? I'm Sam Whitehead talking today with Shivani Patel. She studies COVID-19 equity issues at Emory University. We're talking about her work and how the vaccine rollout is going in the state. 
the state of Georgia this week has set up a dashboard where they are gathering and sharing information, racial and ethnic data about who is actually getting vaccinated. And we've seen here in Georgia, at least based on these initial numbers, a vast majority of the people who are getting access to vaccines are white. Is this an emerging equity issue that we're seeing and that we've seen repeated over the course of the pandemic that certain communities just don't have equal access? Yes, I do think that the data so far are indicating concerns around equity that are basically mirroring what we saw in uh, all of last year with respect to who is vulnerable to COVID-19 and who is dying from COVID-19. So I think that it's uh, great progress that uh, the state has released this dashboard um, to that describes the demographics of who's getting vaccinated and also where people are getting vaccinated. But I think that it's going to also be important to put those data together because to really look at equity, we need to be a little bit more granular because it's not just about the aggregated data. I think we miss a lot when we look at the aggregated data at a state level. So um, to me, I think for measures of equity, what's crucial is who is currently eligible to be vaccinated where do those people live? What racial ethnic groups are represented in those priority populations? And then look at who is actually getting vaccinated. To me, I think we need to look at all of those things side by side. What we tend to do is look at the numbers of people getting vaccinated in each race and ethnic group and uh, want to see uh, some parallelism with, with the state at large or the county at large. But the fact is that the people who are prioritized in this first phase, especially healthcare workers, have a different demographic than the state at large. So I think we need to be also looking at that when we consider equity. Well, and, and thinking about that kind of granular level, I mean, certainly here in Georgia, we have county health departments, we have regional health districts under the state Department of Public Health. What are those, these people on the front lines actually working to get vaccine out to people? What should they be doing to make sure that this rollout is equitable? And really, where, where does that responsibility fall? Does it fall on a local public health district? Does it fall on the state? Does it fall on healthcare systems? Talk to me about that. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a great question. And I think it really falls uh, upon all of us in that a failure is a, a failure for the people that we're trying to serve. And each one, the local health department, the state health department, and health systems are all mandated to serve the populations of their catchment areas, respectively. So I think that there needs to be a lot of coordination across all of the players that you've just mentioned. And the data dashboard is a good step towards that in that now we, we have some idea and we're working from the same data. And to me, releasing the data to the public like this, so health systems can also look at you know, what is happening in their area, local health departments understand what's happening in other areas, is really important because that's, I think, where the solutions are going to come from, is kind of seeing what is happening well and what's not happening well in different areas is going to give us some insight. It'll, I hope, motivate some people to pick up the phone and perhaps talk across health districts, talk across um, counties to mount a, a response that is equitable and is effective, right? Because we care about equity as a matter of fairness, but equity is also a matter of effectiveness when it comes to fighting a pandemic. So there's no way we're going to have an effective 
uh, vaccine rollout unless it's, it's reaching the people who are most vulnerable. I think people, when they think of equity, they think of fairness. Expound on that idea. Pull that out a little bit for me, that it's part of an effective strategy, equity is. This goes with so many health conditions, but I'll say especially for infectious uh, conditions such as um, COVID-19, that we need the people who are vulnerable to severe disease. We need the people who, who we've seen are transmitting this disease to be vaccinated because that is how we are going to contain this and make sure our hospital systems are not overloaded and how we minimize the loss of life. And it's also how we curtail the spread of the infection. So we have to look at who is being impacted. And just from um, this entire conversation that we're having, we know that communities of color and individuals of color have been disproportionately impacted when it comes to um, being exposed to the infection and also dying from the infection. So when you look at it, if we want to have even an average outcome that is effective, we have to also work with those who are at the high, you know the upper margins of, of risk. It's absolutely essential we work with the people who are at the upper margins of, of that risk distribution. Do you think that that is enough of this conversation? You know, I'm thinking about other conversations in equity, thinking about like equity, diversity in the workplace. There's an argument that it's the right thing to do, but then there are also arguments that it's good for business to have diverse teams. It seems like there's this kind of value proposition with equity that doesn't get talked about a lot, that this is actually a really key part of us fighting this pandemic well, is is having equity be a big part of that fight. Sam, I think that's such a, uh, such a great point. And I think that there are um, these same uh, principles that apply to equity at large. What you mentioned about the value of having, say, a diverse team in, in the workplace. And why do we need a diverse team in the workplace? Because that's what drives innovation. That's what also responds to the diverse needs of Americans. And I think, um, you know, it's somewhat similar here that we need to have uh, an equitable response to just match the diversity of our population um, and that diversity of risk. It's not just a matter of fairness, but we're not all going to be protected until we hit certain targets. So we don't know also, for example, the long-term effectiveness of this vaccine. We don't know how it's going to reemerge. We don't, there's, there's a lot of unknown here, right? So protecting the people again, who are at, at those, you know, high risk categories in terms of transmission by virtue of where they have to work. So, you know, people working in professions that have been deemed essential and then if we look at the people who are at high risk for for death by virtue of their underlying um, uh, chronic conditions, by uh, virtue of their age, you know, we're going to have to make sure those people are protected in order to contain infection and not spread to even the more more privileged folks. So I do think that there's there's just no getting around um, the concept of, of equity as also a scientifically justified goal here. Shivani Patel is a public health researcher at Emory University. 
Did You Wash Your Hands is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. WABE's managing editor is Alex Helmick. Scott Wolfel is chief content officer. You can reach us at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app. That's where you can also leave us a rating and a review. That really helps other people find the show. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org slash coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening. Have you donated to WABE yet? I know you've heard us talking about why it's important, but it doesn't have to be this big decision. You can give at whatever amount fits your budget. It can be a spur-of-the-moment thing. You already get so much out of public radio, so just go for it. Visit wabe.org donate and become a member right now. And thank you.